Romans chapter 12 this morning, Romans 12. Last week we looked at Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. Today we're going to look at Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. But let's read Romans chapter uh, 12 and verse 1 because you know what? Uh, If we don't have Romans chapter 1 as a living reality in our life, Romans chapter 12 and 2 is going to be impossible for us. We need to be those living sacrifices if we're going to really be in the place where we're not conformed to this world. Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Father, would you help us as we look to your word today? Lord, would you bless? Uh, Would you meet with us? Would you show us your power? Would you show your face in this room, Lord? Lord, would you speak to each heart, Lord? And would you, Lord, clear up the needs that are in each heart? And, oh, Lord, may we see your truth for what it is, and may we be set free from it through it. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so basically we're looking at it. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And the title of the message is Don't Go With the Flow. Now, it's very easy for us to go with the flow. And I suppose every age has had their issues. Every age has had their problems as far as going with the flow is concerned. And Christians have been enticed into them. Um, but, But for us in our age, it's like a deluge. It's like a tsunami coming at us. Uh, the flow of the world is so strong and so fast, and we're drawn into it, and we, you know, we're enticed to go along with it. And the passage here is saying, don't go with the flow. Don't be conformed to it. Don't allow yourself to be pressed into its mold, to be made into its shape. Don't go with the flow of, uh, of the world. Don't go with what's happening in our age. That's the word world there. It's the word age. Don't go with them. Don't allow it to take you. Don't allow it to be your guide. Don't allow it to be your director. Don't allow it to lead you. You're to stand against it. Now, standing against is not easy for us. Going against the flow is not easy for us. You see, we're all social creatures. And really, whatever the herd is doing, we want to do. And, you know, obviously we're Christians, but at one level we're part of the human herd too. So whatever the herd out there is doing... Uh, we naturally want to do. Rarely do you find somebody who, uh, by their nature, stands against the herd. Most of us uh, just want to, we want to be inconspicuous. We don't want the world to look at us and think we're odd and we're different. And this is a command to be odd and different, not to go with the flow. Be not conformed. The word rendered conform means to put in the form, fashion, or appearance of another. It may refer to anything pertaining to the habit, manner, dress, style of living, Uh, of others. That's the definition of it. You're not to be put in the form of the world, in the shape of the world, in the scheme of the world. One translation puts it this way, and I love looking at the other translations because they're, they're interesting commentaries on the text sometimes. It says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. There's pressure, isn't there? There's all kinds of pressure for it to squeeze you into its mold. There's all kinds of pressure for you to actually, you know, capitulate and just go with it. All kinds of pressure all through the day, all through the week. You know, we, we look at teens sometimes. We think there's a lot of pressure on teens. Well, there is. There's a lot of pressure on teens. Teens, they get, uh, I mean, they get scorned for seeking to be godly. There's a lot of pressure on them. The, the, the world is trying to squeeze them into its mold. But, you know, it's not just teens. It's us, everything that comes through the media at us is trying to squeeze us into a mold. 
Do you realize that, that advertising might have as its, as its definition, as its motto, or as its aim, the idea of squeezing you into our mold? Right? That's what it's about. It's a science. It's an art form trying to get us to the place where we're actually squeezed into the mold of the world. Because understand that the world system in our day and age runs on the economy. And the economy is run by squeezing people into the mold of the world. That's why they spend so much in advertising. That's why you've got jingles running around in your head that you have no idea of where you came from. You don't agree, but they're running around in your head because clever people taught them up to make you think in a certain way. And it's pressing you to be like the herd. And they're trying to dictate what the herd's going to be like because that's what sells stuff. But you're constantly being pressured to do it. The world is not to be our pattern, though. The design of this passage is doubtless to produce a spirit that should not find pleasure in the pomp and vanity of the world and which will regard all vain amusements and gaieties with disgust and lead the mind to find pleasure in better things. Now, obviously, that's written a long time ago. Uh, We don't reckon on it being like that. But that is really the truth. The idea is that we're not supposed to find our fulfillment, to find our pleasure in the world. We're supposed to find it elsewhere. Because when we find it in the world, what happens to us is we get squeezed into the mold of the world. I always think this is an interesting one. You know, if you actually could cast your mind back to Christians in another age, what would they think of Christianity today? If they were to look at our Christianity today, what would they think? Would, you know, would they think we're worldly? I think definitely so. Any of you that have seen the film Trans- uh, Time Changer? Uh, it's a fascinating Christian film. A guy comes from the 1800s, and he goes forward in time uh, to see the results of compromises that were happening around him at the time. And he is totally shocked with the Christianity he finds in the day he finds himself in. Because it's compromised. As far as he's concerned, it's not even Christian. He's having a hard time believing these people are Christians. And because what they've done is they've compromised with the world. Now, here's the problem. It's kind of like the frog in the kettle. You know, you, you put the frog in, a, frog in a pot and you begin to boil it. Well, the frog doesn't have any way of telling, telling him that the water's getting hotter. Right? So if you bring up the temperature slowly, the frog won't notice. Now, boys, don't do this, all right? This is mean, right? <clears throat> this is really mean. Don't, 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 don't try this out. This is not an experiment you should try at home, right? But the frog will not actually realize uh, that... Uh, the temperature is going up until it kills them. And that's what happens to us. We live in a, in, a, in a world that's going a certain direction, and we don't notice half the time how we're compromising. And by the way, the worst compromises happen in our heads. Because once you compromise your head, it's easy to compromise your actions. Once you compromise your thinking, it's easy for you to actually compromise the things you're doing. And let me ask you some questions. If you're doing things differently than you used to do them a few years ago, why? Is it because the Spirit of God moved in your heart and said this would be better for you to do? Or is it because you decided, well, you know what? This would be easier for me to do. I don't need to do that. You see, compromise happens very easily in our thinking And then it uh, manifests itself in the way we live. And we've got to be careful because there's such pressure. I mean, that idea of conforming, of squeezing us into a certain... There's there's that pressure on us all the time. And if we're not wary of it, if we're not watching it, it just happens. 
It just happens. It just kicks in and it happens in our lives. Uh, It becomes part part of us. Philip says this, The world has its fads and fashions, and they change with each generation. Its mold exerts pressure on us all, not only in such relatively minor matters as dress and diet, but in far more serious areas of life as morals, ethical standards, and religious beliefs. Uh, It does. Um, Don't let the world dictate your attitudes, your thinking. Thinking is changing so rapidly in our day and age. It really is changing so rapidly. Humanism, the idea that man is the center of everything, is accepted as the truth. I mean, you, you, you look it up, look at look the definitions of it. Really, humanism is the idea that there is no God, therefore we have to work, work it out ourselves. And we're capable of it anyway, so don't worry about it, we're fine. We will work it out, there is no God. And it makes man the center. So... Here's the problem with humanism. The problem with humanism is what matters is pleasing man. If it works for man, it's fine. If it doesn't work for man, then it's not fine. And it totally skews the picture. But humanism is such a part of our uh, educational system, it's such a part of our media, it's such a part of everything, that we we get affected by it. It comes in, in in strange little ways, and we start to look to the idea of pleasing man. That's what really counts. Now, we're Christians, so we never say, well, because God doesn't exist. But what we do is subtly, we make man the center of it all. And the gospel switches very, very gently. And man becomes the center of the gospel. Man becomes the issue. Well, we've got to get man saved. That's the important thing. So if that's the important thing, what do we got to do to get man saved? Let's do it, because that's the issue. And we'll do whatever it takes to get man saved. And Christians of another generation would look at us and say, what are you thinking? But we don't realize that our thinking has been affected by humanism. Listen, is it right that man should get saved? Should that be our goal and our focus? Yes, but God's the center of it all. Remember the commandment when Jesus was asked, <clears throat> what's the greatest commandment? What did he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And your neighbor as yourself. But the first one is love the Lord your God. God is the center of everything and must always remain the center of everything in our lives and in our hearts. Man is not the center. If we make God the center of it, we'll be able to help man. But when we neglect God, we're going to find, listen, we can't help man. And humanism is rife in the world and rife in the church, and we're all affected by it. But we're not to allow our attitudes to be like that. We're not to allow our thinking to be like that. We're not to allow our relationships to be dictated by the world. Um, listen, the world relates in a whole different way uh, in this day and age. What is purity? Wouldn't it be interesting to stand up at the square outside the square and ask people, what is purity? What do you think purity is? You know, I, I think you'd be really amazed at the different answers that you get. You know, I think probably some people would say, well, <clears throat> purity is being with one partner at a time. And, uh, and a lot of people would think that that was purity, that was fine. That's Because that's really the way the world lives in our day and age. You know, uh, if you were to make purity the idea of a, that a man and a woman uh, don't have anything going on between each other in a physical sense until after they're married, I think a lot of people would laugh. A lot of people would say, that's, that's ridiculous in this day and age. That's just weird. You're going to be weird in this day and age if you follow something like that. But that's purity. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says about morality. And you see, when it comes to relationships, we need to have that in mind. That's what purity is. Purity is me making sure 
that I'm pure before God. <clears throat> and that's different in our day. And for a young person, I realize, listen, the world is trying to squeeze our young people into a mold in that area incredibly. It's trying to bring them to the place where, listen, what they're talking about and what their parents are talking about and what the Bible talks about is absolute foolishness. That's ridiculous. We've got to be aware of that. We've got to help our kids with that. Because God wants our kids to be pure. And God hasn't changed his view because the world has changed its view. So what do you have to do to be pure in a relationship? Well, you obviously have to make a decision in your heart that you're going to be pure. But apart from the decision that you make in your heart, what you've got to do is you've got to come to the place where you plan your relationships in that way, that you're going to keep pure in your relationships. But you see, it's, it's a different thing in our day and age. The world has a different way of thinking, and it's so easy for us to get drawn into it. I wouldn't be surprised if some of you were thinking, man, he is off his rocker. Doesn't he realize what day and age this is? And, and you, you know, there was a time when obviously that would never happen in the church, but the power of the world's thinking is so strong then it has the ability to actually impact us and affect us. Listen, if your relationship is going to be one that God can smile upon and God can bless, you need to be pure in it. It needs to be a pure relationship. That's not just a church doctrine. That's not just, that's, that's reality of God and the Bible. Okay, don't let the world press you into its mold in that. Um, <clears throat> what about Morality. Uh, well, we basically talked about it, but we're supposed to live morally pure lives in all areas. You're, you're supposed to be a man or woman of integrity. You're supposed to uh, live your life above reproach, different to the others, different to the rest. You're supposed to be different. Why? Because that's what God says, and that's important. That's important that you live that way. What about work practices? You know, isn't it interesting? You know, we have all these tribunals that we've gone through and so on as far as our government is concerned. And we've all these things and, um, you know, people taking brown envelopes and all the rest of it. And really, here was the thought. It was the culture of the day. Everybody was doing it. So we were doing it, too. And that's, that's just the way people think about it, right? But the problem about it is that though it was the culture of the day, it was wrong. And in another day and age... A judge is saying that's wrong. That shouldn't be done. Now, <clears throat> understand this, that it's not just people in the world that are affected by the culture of the day. You are too. You're affected by the culture. When it comes to your work practices, you're supposed to reflect a biblical work ethic and a biblical integrity that, <clears throat> that honors God. Remember, whatsoever you do, you're to do it as unto the Lord. You're to do it to please God. He's there all the time. He's watching all the time. Regardless of who else is seeing you or what the boss sees, God is seeing you. So you're supposed to work as though you're working for God. By the way, if you work in this day and age like you're working for God, you're going to get noticed. <clears throat> you're going to get noticed in a good way, in a right way, if you're doing what's right. <clears throat> uh, what about dress? It's warm weather. Pastor, don't talk about dress. It's the warm weather and we're in, enjoying ourselves. No, let's, let's think. The Bible talks about modesty. It's hot in Ireland, and when it gets hot in Ireland, uh, there's no such thing as modesty, right? <clears throat> um, but we're supposed to be modest, even though it's warm. By the way, that goes for men and women, too. We're supposed to be modest. We're supposed to dress modestly. You know, the rules don't change just because the temperature goes up and modesty goes out the window for a while, and then we'll be modest again after that. Right? Now, it changes in the world. 
I mean, you look out there and, and modesty is just gone. But it's not supposed to be like that for you. Modesty is a biblical issue. You're supposed to dress modestly, even in this warm weather. By the way, isn't it interesting that the people from really warm countries don't tend to uh, do the same thing as far as clothing is concerned uh, when it's warm? They wear a looser, uh, airy clothing, but they don't end up being immodest. They don't have to be. It doesn't really help you. It's just an idea in our heads. Right? You don't need to. You need to be modest in this day, in this hot weather. We'll get off that one. We're going to enjoy enjoy the warm weather. But listen, don't be conformed to the world's image. Don't take your standard from the world uh, in this weather. It's so easy for us to do. Right? So how does the world do it? How does the world conform us into its image? Well, people are a big part of it. The people around us. I can talk to us and influence us. And listen, by the way, if you can't be influenced by people, you're not human. <clears throat> we're, we're, we're creatures like that. God calls us the sheep of his pasture. And you know why we're sheep? Because sheep follow each other. <clears throat> We've got to understand that we can be influenced by people so the people around you can influence you. The people around you uh, can, can talk you around. If, you, if, if you're with them, you know, and you're with people that are constantly going against it and constantly going against it and constantly going against what, what's right and true, you know what? You get eroded. You just do. That's the way it is. Right? Well, say you're, you're a teenager and you hang around with five guys that smoke. And they all smoke and you don't smoke. You know, the pressure on you to smoke is going to be huge. Now, it's dumb. Everybody knows it's dumb. Uh, everybody knows. But you know what? It's incredible how many people do it anyway. And pressure is, <clears throat> person pressure is the thing that does it, peer pressure. Right? Now, look, we need to understand that we're like that. Yeah, there's some people in your life you shouldn't be around because they're just going to pull you down. They're just going to pull you. You have a problem with gossiping? And you have a friend who's a gossip as well? Listen, don't be with them because you're going to end up gossiping. It's just the way it is. You're going to be influenced by people, so people can have a huge impact on us. By the way, just recognize that. You're not an island. You can't stand on your own and not be affected by anybody else. You know, recognize people are going to affect you. They're going, with, with the strongest personality in the world is going to get somewhat affected by other people uh, who are going in a, a different direction and conforming to the world. They're going to get conformed to it. <clears throat> Music. You know, it's amazing what people sing in music. And music, you know, music is not just words that are strung together because they sound good. Music has a message. You listen, you turn on the radio and listen to the music on the radio, you know what, there's a message involved in it. They're, they're, they're communicating something. And you end up singing it and you end up getting conformed to it. And by the way, because it's music, it has the intent of stirring emotions in you too. So you end up getting caught with it. It's going to influence you. Music kind of almost goes beyond your brain and actually connects with something inside of you uh, as well and makes things palatable to you that otherwise wouldn't be. And if you just are in the habit of turning on the radio and listening to it, you're going to get caught with it. You're going to get affected by it. By the way, if you're watching MTV in your home, you are crazy. Don't have MTV going in your home. It is Wicked! It's a listen. It is a, a pipe into into hell. I mean, <clears throat> you know, I, I I was in a couple of homes at one stage a long time ago, right? And um, <clears throat> saw MTV on. I'm thinking, what is this? This is this is Sodom and Gomorrah filtered into our homes. I mean, t- listen, you don't need to be 
seeing that kind of stuff, it's going to affect you. Remember that Lot was affected by it. Lot didn't do any of the wickedness of Sodom. Uh, he, he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't get involved in it. But he was affected in seeing and hearing their wickedness. And you know what? When it comes to the TV and you, you, you allow wicked stuff into your home, you're going to be affected by it. And your children are going to be affected by it. Without doubt, they're going to be affected by it. Don't, don't, listen, don't let it into your home. Uh, TV is a huge impact. And then advertising. <clears throat> Understand that advertising <clears throat> will impact you. You've got to be careful. You've got to be challenging it in your mind because you're, you're meeting it all the time. You, know, you look at the newspaper. You look at uh, the, <clears throat> the, the, the boards as you're traveling down the road. If, if, you, if you watch TV, they, they, I mean, <clears throat> really, for, for the, the whole finance behind TV is the advertising. So, you know, listen, it's, it's sharp. It's clever. You know, it's psychologically proven to get beyond your barriers and actually kind of connect with you because if it didn't, they wouldn't spend all the millions they spend on it. So you've got to be careful as far as the advertising is concerned because you'll find yourself taking on board things that you, you don't want to take on board. You know, so beca- and by the way, it's, advertising is everywhere. You can turn on your computer and it's advertising flying up on your computer. You know, listen, you've got to be careful. You've got to stand against that stuff because you don't want to be pressed into the mold of the world. You know how you get into financial difficulties or oftentimes how people get into financial difficulties? They buy the advertising. And they have to have what the advertising is telling them they need to have. And they get it. And then they're in trouble with it. Listen, advertising uh, is a huge part of the world's effort to conform us to it. But instead of being conformed, we're to be transformed. Right? So here's the deal. I mean, here you are in the middle. You get saved. You can be conformed to the world, made in the shape of the world, or you can be transformed into something else entirely. And transformation doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen by you going through life like Nadi, you know, just, you know. Transformation is something that you decide you want in your life. Transformation is something that you decide you're willing to pay a price for. I mean, if you look at Luke 14, look at the the, the rules uh, of discipleship, I'm telling you, a disciple is a transformed individual. A disciple is, is a person who's learned to swim against the current, who's learned to cut across the grain. A disciple is a person who's learned to be different than the rest of the world. You need to be transformed. You need to be different. First Peter 2 verse 9 says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people. That means we're a treasure to God that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Do you realize that your life is supposed to show forth his praises? That your life is supposed to be a vehicle for God to get glory from the world. That your life is to be so different to the norm that people are to look at you and they're to see God in you. Now, Listen, that's not just about the clothes you wear. That's not just about the things you do. That's about you in your heart. All of it's supposed to be true. But if it's true in your heart, it's going to be true in your clothes. It's going to be true in the things you do. It's going to be true in the way you live. You're supposed to live a life that people in the world look at and they say, Whoa, what a God. Isn't that what, you know, we're the light of the world? We're to, our works are to glorify him. Listen, we're supposed to live lives that are different to the world. We're not supposed to blend in. Where do we get the idea that we're supposed to blend in? Blending in is not about the glory of God. Blending in is about us being comfortable. Where do we get the idea that we're supposed to blend in? That's not the way we're supposed to be. We're not supposed to blend in in our attitudes, in our thinking. 
Now, do you realize how uncomfortable it is for you to have a different attitude? Take the abortion issue. Now, you've got a different attitude about, about abortion. Everybody's saying, yeah, well, it's a woman's right and all the rest. And that poor woman <clears throat> in Galway that was dreadful and all the rest. And everybody, everybody's going with one flow and you're saying, yeah, but abortion's wrong. Do you realize what happens to you then? You realize that you get put on the outside ring? And so you know what happens? We compromise. We just don't say anything. We, we just keep our mouths shut. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> we won't talk about homosexuality again, but that, that's one of those key issues because it's, a <clears throat> it's an issue where they've set out to conform us. But, you know, you say what you believe and what's right and true about it, and you get put on the outside ring. You, you, you get scorned for it. But do you realize that if you don't stand against, what happens is you get sucked in. Now, maybe only a little bit, but you get sucked in. You've got to stand against. You've got to make a decision to actually stand against. Uh, <clears throat> what about in your relationships? Well, say you decide you're going to be pure in your relationships. Well, you know what? That's going to limit you, isn't it? Yeah, that's going to limit you. You're going to, you're going to be different. <clears throat> what about in your morality? You're going to be different. What about in your work practices? You're going to stand up and you're going to be counted and you're going to be different. Listen, that's going to make you different. You're going to be different if you do that. Uh, what about in your dress? <clears throat> listen, I realize dress is a huge issue in our day and age, and dress is one of those issues where, listen, people want to be molded, and the pressure to mold us in is just there all the time. But, you know, you should be different. You should be transformed. Listen, if you get transformed in your head by the renewing of your mind, what happens is it transforms the outer parts of your life too. I don't agree with trying to transform the outer sides of your life to get it into your head because it won't do it. But when your heart is transformed, when you're transformed by the renewing of the word, what happens is you end up in the place where you're different and you live different and people look at you and they say, he's strange. And some people will say, why is he so strange? And some people will be drawn to what you've got. But understand the idea is that you're supposed to be made uh, in his image, not made in the image of the world. <clears throat> now, uh, and we're to be transformed by the renewal of our mind. There are basically three areas that we're transformed. First of all, the Holy Spirit works in our lives, right? <clears throat> uh, the, the Holy Spirit's promptings prompt you to be different. We ought to listen to him. But we ought to listen to him more than we listen to the world. We ought to do what he would have us do more than we do with the world. Secondly, the word of God. <clears throat> Ephesians 5.26 says that he might sanctify and cleanse with the washing of water by the word. You know the word of God changes your thinking? Listen, <clears throat> don't neglect the word of God. You need it. I need it. We need the Word of God. We need to spend time in His Word regularly because I'm awash in a world that's coming at me all the time. But when I open this book, I see a different world. I see a different attitude. I see, <clears throat> I see things that, that wash out the stuff of the world from my mind. I need it. All that, so do you too. You need the Word of God. You need to let the Word of God change attitudes, change your thinking, and dictate your lifestyle. You need to let the Word of God in. The Word of God is a huge part of it. You know, you ought to read it. You ought to be under the preaching of it. You ought to spend time in it. By the way, if you were to even try and make it that you spent half the time being affected by the Word of God and the Spirit of God and the people of God that you spend with the world influencing you, you'd be in a better place. But you know what? 
we end up with a thimble full of God and a bucket full of the world in our lives. And we wonder why it affects us so much. We wonder why we're impacted by it so much. <clears throat> and the third thing is the uh, fellowship of God's children. First <clears throat> Corinthians 15, verse 33 says, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. The people you're around affect you. Right? you you've got to understand that. The people that you're around affect you. Listen, you may not be able to choose the people you work with. You may not be able to choose the people you go to school with. But understand that unless you're fighting against it, it will affect you. It will impact you. You've got to understand that. <clears throat> I'm amazed at how, many, how often people change their view on things, how often it just changes. It slips, it moves, it's, it's different for them. You know, listen, don't let that be in your life. Don't let that be in your life. Listen, stand, find out where you stand as far as the word of God and stand there. Put your, put your, put your roots down. The problem in our day and age is that even amongst Christians is people are moving the anchor. They're lifting the anchor out and they're putting it down somewhere else. And the problem is, where do you put it down again? They don't know where to put it down and they keep drifting. Listen, sort out where you stand on the word of God and stand there. Stand on the word. But listen, have a biblical reason for standing there. Don't just stand there because it's convenient. Don't just stand there because the crowd around you do. Stand on the word of God. And when, when you take your position from the word of God and you stand there, you can defend it and you can listen and you can be happy with it. But don't move unless the word of God is moving you. Don't move just because the, the times are changing. and everything. Don't move because of that. Stand uh, where you know you should stand and be sure of it. And it says <clears throat> that you may know God's will. Let me give you three reasons why I think it's wise for you to be transformed rather than conformed. Right. Our, our passage gives us one, right? <clears throat> that, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. <clears throat> Let me put it this way. The only way to a full, happy, productive life as a Christian is for you to be transformed rather than conformed. That's the only way. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If I ask you to raise your hands, who wants the good and acceptable and perfect will of God? Every time we go up. You know, we want that. Right? That's what we want in our life. We want the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Right? The only way to have it is for you to be transformed rather than conformed. If you're being conformed, you're not going to know it. You're not going to have it. Listen, that counts. If you want to have a life that works, a life that counts, you need to be transformed, not conformed. You need to let God work in your life and in your heart so that you actually are living his way in a dark day. You're going a different direction than the rest of the world. That needs to be the reality of your life. You need to be transformed rather than conformed if you're going to know it. Second reason is this. The only way to have power with God is to be transformed rather than conformed. Let, 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 let me give you an illustration from the Bible. You know, in... Um, <clears throat> 1 Samuel 17, 18, and 19, we have the story of um, Elijah. And Elijah is this incredible figure, you know, who comes almost out of another world onto the pages of Scripture. He just arrives in chapter 17, all of a sudden, you've never heard of him before. Man, he's there giving orders to the king. He's there telling the king there's going to be no rain until I say. I'm sure it seemed like a joke when he actually delivered uh, his order. But 
Elijah is just somebody that stands for what he believes, and he stands against everything else, and that's the, 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 there's no way anybody's going to move him. He's the, he's the hair-shirt guy. He's the guy that, you know, that, <clears throat> that, that just stands on his own, apart from everybody else, and does what he knows God would have him to do, regardless of what the rest of the crowd are doing. Now, there's another character in that story called Obadiah. And Obadiah <clears throat> is a nice guy. He's a believer, Right? Obadiah is a believer. He actually loves God. And he's proven that he loves God because what he did was he actually hid the prophets of the Lord in a cave and fed them and took care of them. But you know what? He's a believer that keeps it undercover. He's a conformer. He's so conformed that Ahab's got him in his house as one of his chief men, if not the chief man. And Ahab's a wicked guy. You know, for Ahab to be able to get on with Obadiah... I mean, there had to be a lot of things that uh, Obadiah was just sucking up. <clears throat> but you know, in the end of the story, it's not Obadiah with his access to the king that has power. It's Elijah. And you know why Elijah has power? Because Elijah has access to God. And you know, when you stand apart from the world and for God, and you have access to God, you have power. You have greater power than the world can ever know. See, Elijah's the man that uh, stood on Mount Carmel and prayed down fire and saw all those prophets of Baal killed. Elijah's the man that turned the whole nation of Israel around that actually was used of God in, uh, to do that. Elijah's the man that had power with God. But do you know why he had power with God? He had power with God because he stood away from the crowd. Because he was God's man. Not Ahab's man. Obadiah's a good man. Obadiah loves God. Obadiah risked himself to protect those, those, those um, <clears throat> prophets. But you know what? He has nothing like the power that Elijah has. And I understand in our day and age, the pressure to compromise in every area on us is huge. But let me assure you that if you'll stand for God and stand away from the crowd... And do what God would have you do, regardless of what the crowd says. You know what? Ultimately, you're going to end up with more power than them. It took three and a half years before Elijah saw that power. Three and a half years before he actually saw God move. But when he saw God move, it was unmistakable. There was nothing, not even a king could do, to stop him. Because God was on the move. Listen, is that where you want to be? Isn't that the place where you want to be in your life? You want to be in the place where you can prevail with God. You see, either you choose power with the world or power with God. You can't have it both ways. Either you are conformed to the world, and then you have sway over it, or you are transformed, and you have sway with God. I'll choose sway with God anytime, because that's where the real power lies. Let me give you the third one. <clears throat> this age and its fads will pass. The world, world there means ion. It means that uh, it's the age that we live in. This age and its fads will pass. And listen, fads are always coming our way. They'll be gone before you know it. They will, it'll just be over before you know it. The age and all the fads and all the thinking of our day and age uh, will go. And then that day will dawn. And that day, when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back, is going to put all of their days in perspective. That day when the Lord Jesus Christ takes his position is going to change everything in everybody's thinking. You know, in that day, there's not going to be two thinkings. 
In that day, there's only going to be reality. And the reality is that God rules in his world. He always has and he always will. And in that day, if you've stood for him, if you let him transform you rather than be conformed to the image of the world, if you'll stand for him in that day, there's going to be rewards. There is no crown for the conformer. But I'm telling you, there's going to be a crown for the transformer. There's going to be a crown for the person who stands against and who lives God's way. And in that day, that's all that will count. It won't matter that the world has pulled you and pushed you and pressed you and you've stood against it. Like with Paul, you know, Paul said, the suffering of this present time is nothing by comparison to the glory that shall be revealed in us. Listen, stand for right and truth in this day. Let God transform you and change you. Will you be odd and different? Yeah. But it's the best thing for you. It'll give you a life that counts. It'll give you a full, happy, and productive life. It'll give you power with God. And in that day, it'll give you rewards. Or you can capitulate. You can give in. And you know what? When Christians give in, they don't typically walk out the door and never come back. When they give in, they kind of, you know, hang in there. They got one foot in the world and one foot in the church, and they're trying to make it look good. But you know what? That's a horrible life. Double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. That's a horrible life for you to live. That's a horrible place to be. You know, um, because you're neither hot nor, uh, nor, nor cold, Jesus says you're lukewarm and he's spewing you out of his mouth. He doesn't want that. He wants you to stand for him even in this dark day. And if you do, it will be worth it. It'll be worth it now. And it'll be worth it in that day. And it'll be worth it in eternity. The question for you is, will you be a conformer or will you be a transformer? Let's stand for prayer. Father in heaven, we do thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for these people that have come. And Oh, Lord, <clears throat> we live in a dark day. We live in a wicked day, Lord. It's always been dark and it's always been wicked. But, Lord, it seems to us that it's darker and more wicked than it's ever been. It seems to us that the pressure on us to conform to the world is greater than it's ever been. And, Lord, we're feeble, frail, and Lord, we yield. Oh, blessed Spirit of the living God, would you work in our hearts and lives now? Would you deal with us, Lord? Lord, may there be decisions made that are not just uh, the emotional response, but may there be decisions made right now uh, that put us in a different place with you, that put us in a different stand with you. Blessed Spirit of the living God, would you work in hearts and lives? Would you deal with us as you see fit? And oh, Lord, may we respond rightly to you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Let's do this. As the piano plays and God is dealing with you, let me encourage you. Step out and come do business with him. As God is dealing with you, come do business with him and listen, settle it before him today. Don't miss God's moment in your life when God says, listen, this is the moment. Don't miss those moments. They're important moments. Respond to them.
Lord, I pray that LifeGate as a church would stand for you, Lord, and Lord, that we would be known for standing for you, Lord. May it never be uh, the woodenness of tradition, Lord, or of rules, but Lord, may it be hearts that love you and take a stand for you because of it. And oh, Lord, I pray you'd bless, Lord, that you would do great things. Lord, that we would have power with you, and Lord, that you would undertake for us, and that we would see great things happen, and that you would use us mightily. In Jesus' name, amen.